This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. A video of the talk is also available along with more downloads at our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk or join us in person at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. This is just an introduction so that before we look at the man Moses as a man of faith, what we'll do is look at a bit about him, about who he was, where and where he lived, and when he lived, and the circumstances in which he was born, grew up, and including major changes within his life. He was a direct descendant of Abraham, who formed the basis of last week's talk, because he was the sixth generation after Adam, uh, sorry, after Abraham. As we can read in the book of Genesis, the lives of people at that time were often in excess of a hundred years. Moses had an older brother, Aaron, and sister, Miriam, and their parents were Amran and Jochebed. Exodus 6 shows the main points of the genealogy from Levi, which was one of the sons of Jacob, through to Moses. It has been calculated that Moses was born in the 16th century BC, but the majority of what we read of him concerns his life within the 15th century BC. He was born in Egypt after Jacob and his family had moved there due to famine in Israel. When there, there was a change of Pharaoh, and he did not acknowledge the great part Joseph had in managing the food supply, both before and whilst the famine occurred in Egypt. As a result, he made onerous demands on the Israelites in the work they were expected to do. Israel had also been greatly blessed by God, and they multiplied greatly. But to attempt to curb this growth, Pharaoh instructed midwives to kill the newly born babies, especially the boys, by throwing them into the river. It was at this time that Moses was born. But his parents, once they could no longer hide Moses, hid him in a basket that floated on the river. Pharaoh's daughter came across Moses in this basket. Miriam was there and offered to get someone to nurse Moses for her, and went and fetched her mother, who then nursed him before handing him to Pharaoh's daughter to be brought up as her son. This meant that he would have learned much of the Egyptian ways of life, their religion, their practices. But he was still mindful of his true heritage when an Egyptian was beating an Hebrew because he killed him, then hit him in the sand seemingly thinking that no one would get to know what he had just done. Only the next day, Moses tried to intervene when two Hebrew men were fighting, and one questioned whether he would kill him as he had done the Egyptian. So this news had spread, even reaching to Pharaoh, for he sought to kill Moses, resulting in him fleeing. And this was, of course, a major change within his life. He then became a shepherd for Jethro, the priest of Midian, married his daughter, and had two sons before we come to the events of Exodus chapter 3, which we're now going to read together. (coughs) 
Exodus chapter 3. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back side of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of, a midst of a bush, out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of that land, into a good land and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, <clears throat> the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me. Excuse me. <clears throat> and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. <clears throat> come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children, out of Israel, the children of Israel. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? <clears throat> And he said, Certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee, that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought the, forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I came unto the children of Israel, and shall, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent unto you, sent me unto you. And God said moreover unto Moses, thou shalt thus, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, hath sent me unto you. This is my name for ever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together, and say unto them, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and Jacob, appeared unto me, saying, I have surely visited you, and seen that which is done to you in Egypt. And I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt, unto the land of the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, unto a land flowing with milk and honey. And they shall hearken to thy voice, and thou shalt come, thou and the elders of Israel, unto the king of Egypt. And ye shall say unto him, The Lord God of the Hebrews hath met with us. And now let us go, we beseech thee, three days journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. And I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go, no, not by a mighty hand. And I will stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in the midst thereof. 
and after that he will let you go. Now I will give this people favour in the sight of the Egyptians, and it shall come to pass that when ye go, ye shall not go empty. But every woman shall borrow of her neighbour, and of her that sojourneth in her house, jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment, and ye shall put them upon your sons and upon your daughters, and ye shall spoil the Egyptians. Having read from Exodus chapter 3, I wonder what our thoughts were. Because we may wonder how Moses was a man of faith when we read of his reluctance in so many ways on this, to take on this task of leading the Israelites out of Egypt to the land that God had promised to them. The message God gave in verses 19 through to 22 was one to give confidence that he would accomplish the release of Israel, even with resistance from Pharaoh. Yet think how great a job of description this was. To firstly go before Pharaoh pleading for Israel's release. And then to lead what is estimated could have been up to about two to two and a half million people. With all their cattle and their flocks. Anything that they wanted to take with them they had had to carry. No wonder he felt inadequate for the job. In fact, many of the prominent men and women God chose for doing something for him initially resisted, expressing their inability, their incompetence, their reluctance in many ways to do what was required. If we were to continue reading into chapter 4, we could see that he continued to resist God's call. And it was only when Aaron was to join him within the task do we see further progress? If we go over a page or so to Exodus chapter 4, and I'm quoting from the New King James Version, at verse 12, we read what God is saying to Moses. Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. But he said, O my Lord, please send by the hand of whomsoever else you may send. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is not Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well. And look, he is also coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. Now you shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth. And I will be with your mouth and with his mouth, and I will teach you what you shall do. So he shall be your spokesman to the people. And he himself shall be as a mouth for you, and you shall be to him as God. And you shall take this rod in your hand, with which you shall do the signs. So Moses went and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, Please let me go and return to my brethren who are in Egypt, and see whether they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. So he therefore had the blessing of Jethro, his father-in-law, to go and do what he'd been told. But just let it carry on in this chapter. Now the Lord said to Moses in Midian, Go, return to Egypt, for all the men who sought your life are dead. Then Moses took his wife and his sons and set them on a donkey, and he returned to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the rod of God in his hand. That return to Egypt was indeed an act of faith. He had previously fled from Egypt, 
But who else but the Lord God could have known that all those who had been seeking his life were now all dead? Quite clearly, Moses must have been believed God for him to have the faith to return, especially as it suggests that his sons would still be young for both of them to be set with his wife on a donkey. When Moses appeared before Pharaoh, he must have had faith in the message that he was given for him to be able, on each occasion, to diligently pass it to Aaron for him to convey. In Exodus 5, we find this particularly relevant for both Moses and Aaron. At verse 1 of chapter 5, Afterwards Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. So they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please, let us go three days' journey into the desert and sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with a sword. Then the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people from their work? Get back to your labor. And Pharaoh said, Look, the people of the land are many now, and you make them rest from their labor. What an introduction to Pharaoh that must have been. Pharaoh's ignorance of the Lord is key to his resistance to letting Israel go. and must have been a major issue to overcome when Moses and Aaron heard that when meeting Pharaoh for the first time. But what a confidence he had in God, doing what the Egyptian gods could not do. Because the God of the Hebrews has met with us. The false gods had no such power to do that. Moses, in particular, must have had that faith to persevere in going back with Aaron to Pharaoh when he expressed such a strong attitude. Sometimes Moses was instructed by God to go and give Pharaoh a message, and this was mainly relating to the plagues that were to afflict Egypt until Pharaoh's heart was not so hard, not so set on resisting God's will. But Pharaoh also summoned these two to come to him, requesting that they plead to God to take away the plagues. They felt them so badly. That's the only person that they could turn to. It seems to me that Moses had to go before Pharaoh at least 17 times. And the last one was just prior to the plague of the slain of the firstborn. And he threatened both Moses and Aaron with being killed if they ever saw his face again. In fact, they didn't see him anymore because the Israelites were chased out of Egypt after the Passover. As far as Israel was concerned, they had to diligently do as God required if they would escape the punishment that was inflicted on Egypt. We don't read of any of the Israelites suffering a loss of life at the time of the Passover. So by implication, Moses had faithfully passed on to them the instructions that gave him that God gave him 
for how they must prepare. And this time they obeyed. But Moses had to continually maintain his faith that God would do as he had said, with leading Israel out of Egypt towards the land of Canaan that had been promised to them. And to do that when they still had a river to cross and a wilderness to traverse was no mean feat. They were only escaping with what they could carry so would be reliant on God providing for their needs. When escaping from Egypt, the Israelites were afraid when the Egyptians came chasing after them. Moses even had to tell them, as in chapter 14, not to be afraid. Now what faith Moses had, we have to read into that, because God had not yet told him what he had to do in saving Israel from the ensuing Egyptians. But God provided the answer. So that when Moses obeyed the command to lift up his rod over the sea, the waters parted so that all the Israelites went over safely. But when the rod was lifted, the waters, re the waters returned and the Egyptians were drowned. Until such time as they got to the water, God had also provided an angel to separate the Israelites from the Egyptians. Only a short while after they had been delivered from the Egyptians, about whom they had been burdened, and having received the Lord's miraculous intervention to save them, the Israelites, within just three days, started to complain owing to the lack of water. Whereas the Israelites were showing a lack of faith in God providing for them, Moses had to maintain his faith that he would deliver them to the land promised to them. And as on so many occasions, he took their case to God in prayer. Exodus 15 at verse 24 is where we'll turn to next. Chapter 15, verse 24. And the people complained against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? So he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. When he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. Then he made a statute and an ordinance for them, and there he tested them, and said, If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God, and do what is right in his sight, Give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. But there's a bit more than that for, for detail. Then they came to Elam where there were twelve wells of water and seventy palm trees. So they camped there by the waters. So it seems there was ample provision for them. But not only did God provide for them with sustenance, a key issue keeps recurring. Israel was to obey God's laws. This meant Moses as their leader had to receive those laws, convey them to all Israel and encourage them to adhere to those laws. And as we just saw, Israel was already complaining just three days after leaving Egypt. 
In the next chapter, chapter 16, we see that in the second month after leaving Egypt, they were again complaining. And it was this time, it was food. They were so soon ignoring the suffering that they had come from, and from which they had cried to God for deliverance. Yet when he heard and responded, they looked back, not looking forward to the land promised to them. Moses had to show his faith in a situation like that, and each time turned to his source for help, that provided for God, provided by God. It is also in the same chapter, chapter 19, that we come to the first and second occasions when Moses was called by God to go up to him. And being in the wilderness of Sinai, it meant going up one of the mountains there. When Moses started leading Israel out from Egypt, he was aged 80 years. Numerous times within that 40 years of wandering in the wilderness to get to Canaan, he was required to go up a mountain to hear God's message. Even that would have required faith for the strength and motivation to keep on doing that as he got older. Yet when he came down, there were times when he then had to faithfully relay God's message to Israel so that everyone would get to know it and to be able to attempt to adhere to what was said. One of the astounding things in the life of Moses is that when Moses was, giving, was given instructions to make the tabernacle around which their worship would centre, the detail that he was given was enormous by anyone's standards. Yet the amazing thing is what we have recorded in Exodus 39. It's just a couple of verses, starting at verse 42. 39 at 42. According to all that the Lord had commanded Moses, so the children of Israel did all the work. Then Moses looked over all the work, and, and indeed they had done it. As the Lord had commanded, just so they had done it. And Moses blessed them. Surely this is an example of the great extent of the faithfulness of Moses in passing on the intricate details of all manner of workmanship in many materials in order that the tabernacle and all of the contents matched God's high standards of purposeful, purposeful design and function. All this was accomplished whilst in the wilderness and in a comparatively short time on their way to the land promised to them. There were also the challenges regarding the reports that came back from the spies when they went into Canaan to report back to Israel what it was like. Ten came back and discouraged Israel from going to the land, whilst Joshua and Caleb came back recognising that with God's help they would be able to conquer the land. There were the challenges of his leadership by Korah, Dathan and Abiram, as in Numbers 14, as well as from his own brother, Aaron, and sister, Miriam, as we read in Numbers 12. Each challenge meant coming to the Lord in prayer, which in, in itself is an act of faith. We read when Paul was writing to the Romans, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Whilst that relates to preaching 
the gospel concerning the Lord Jesus, it also is true as to how faith towards God is realised. Moses heard the word of God in his calling. He heard the instructions given regarding Israel coming out of Egypt and in their journey in towards Canaan. He didn't simply hear. He acted on them. He conveyed them to Israel so that they might gain their freedom from their hardship in Egypt. He had the faith to see the goal that lay ahead. He had the instructions for Israel to receive God's laws so that they might learn obedience to his ways. He heard the great details required for the construction of the tabernacle whilst Israel was in the wilderness. And we read of his faithfulness in his execution of these instructions. Let us turn to the book of Hebrews by looking at what God caused to be written about the faith of Moses. The two passages we'll be turning to. The first is in Hebrews chapter 3 at verse 5. And Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which would be spoken afterwards. Yes, what Moses did by showing his faith had consequences not only for his own generation but for subsequent generations. So Moses was faithful in all, in all his, that is God's house, as a servant. Yet in that capacity, what he accomplished was a forerunner to the Lord Jesus Christ. The contrast is, of course, between Moses as a servant and the Lord Jesus Christ as a son. And then we turn to the chapter 11 of Hebrews. And here we get more detail about what's recorded about his faith. Hebrews 11, verse 24. By faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy their passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians, attempting to do so, were drowned. These verses are set within a chapter all about faith, and people God is telling showed faith by what they believed and by what they did. Faith is shown through belief in the Lord God and in the way it was acted on. And whilst we have considered some of the circumstances in which Moses showed his faith, Stephen in his defence of his faith refers to Moses, and this is part of that defence. This is he who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai and with our fathers, the one who received the living oracles to give us, whom our fathers would not obey but rejected. 
And in their hearts they turned back to Egypt, saying to Aaron, Make us gods to go before us. As for this Moses, who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And they made a calf in those days, offered sacrifices to the idol, and rejoiced in the works of their own hands. And yet in a faithless situation like that, Moses could and did still maintain his faith in what God had committed to his trust. He still retained a focus on getting Israel to the land promised them, even though he had been told that he couldn't enter it himself. What we have briefly looked at is a summary of the faith of Moses. But we can't look at that in isolation, can we? Because faith also concerns us. Because at the end of Hebrews chapter 11 we read, And all these, this is verse 39, And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise, God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. In the New King James, there's a heading to chapter 12 at the beginning of it, the race of faith. And so, in a way, this carries on. Therefore, in other words, there are consequences of what we've just read at the end of chapter 11. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. Faith is a quality we need to learn. Whilst Moses showed it in his life over such a period of time, we need to look to Jesus and what he accomplished that we might be included with those who will be made perfect. That requires action as Hebrews chapter 12 shows us. So if we are to have faith, we also must firstly hear the word of God, for that must be the basis for our subsequent actions. We hope you enjoyed that talk. For more downloads, videos, information about what we believe and details of our meeting times, go to our website, ormskirtchristadelphians.org.uk. Mm-hmm.